to the most listened to golf in the world. The Fairways of Life show. On air, online and around the world. With the most candid interviews. We did it. We did it together. And uh, it's just so exciting for me to just be a part of this with them. With all the 11 other players. It's truly an experience that I will cherish forever. Taking you beyond the ropes. Whatever you think is possible for you or, or even what's not possible you know beyond your wildest dreams go for it you know just go for it and think big and believe in yourself and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do anything unforgettable stories he's hit some putts with it so he gets his phone out and he just takes a picture of the grip and down the putter and doesn't say anything and he just pings it to tiger and of course tiger pinged him right back like what <laughs> in the hell are you doing with my putter do not touch <laughs> That putter. <laughs> a bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose it's just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to the program on this Monday. Yeah, the 30th of December. You probably figure, like, you know, like we feel, Dominic, me, that this is the start of 2020 for you, but we're still in 2019. So there's a lot to kind of look back on and, and, and think about. And we, we didn't get a lot of time. It was a really busy year in the world of golf in 2019, and it's not going to be any less busy in 2020. In fact, it's going to be even more. In terms of, you know, this year we had the new schedule and, and the players, a lot of people use the word condensed. Well, it's going to be even more condensed in 20 because of the Olympics in the mix. And there's a Ryder Cup at the end of the year. So there's that whole crunch that goes into it. In terms of USA players, the Ryder Cup is going to be in the United States. So that might make it a little bit easier on them in terms of travel, wear and tear and all the rest. But my guess is for a lot of players... There's a well-earned break, some rest going on right now as we speak. Not for all of them, because the reason why we decided to come back on the air this week, we normally, I mean, if you look at, for example, look what I'm doing with Morning Drive, uh, and the first time I co-host that on Saturday and Sunday will be the fourth. Why? Normally you wait till after after New Year's Day, but why? It's because we have an event on the PGA Tour this week. So, and interestingly enough, too, in this conversation, no Brooks Kepka, no Tiger Woods. Tiger's birthday, uh, by the way, Matt. I don't know if you remember. Uh, Tiger turns forty-four on, yeah. on, as well. So He's that's old. that's interesting. <laughs> you know what? Tiger's had a lot of miles in the chassis for a long time because you look at Tiger and you look at say. Ian Poulter, or you look at Henrik Stenson, you don't think of those guys as being as old as Tiger Woods. They're, they're the same age. It just, Tiger's been around for so long and so good for so long, and then on top of that, has gone through so much physically, not to mention otherwise, in fairness, but, but physically he's gone through so much, he just seems older. Even though he's in great shape and he's playing well and all the rest, he's the same age as those guys. So it's like, Golf, in many ways, is is becoming eternally young, where you have players that are now well into their 40s and continuing to compete, continuing to win. And at the same time, it's got young players that come out that seemingly are like, well, you can't be ready to compete. It's going to take you a few years to know where you, what course suits you and you know where you stay, where you eat, where you pick up your rental car, all these details that you have to kind of get used to and, and get into a vibe. Nope. Right out of the gate, they win. 
which I think it's incredibly exciting, the whole balance. So one of the things that I was looking at in the wee hours of the morning today was about 2019. And, you know, I get the, in fact, last time on Morning Drive, we kind of avoided this, you know, where they say, what's the biggest golf story of the year? Well, we all know the biggest golf story of 2019 is Tiger winning the Masters, full stop. That was it. So the last time we did Morning Drive, we actually did it in such a way that said, other than Tiger winning the Masters in 2019, what do you think the big, your your favorite memory or the, the thing that impacted you the most? Now, for me, I went with Rory, who you just heard in the, in the opening of the show that Don put together. I went with Rory, and you're going to hear more from Rory in a few minutes here, too, because he did this huge sit-down interview with ITV. He built the gym at his old club. He's done more than that, too, incidentally, when you when you – when you learn about all the stuff Rory's done for his old community, he doesn't forget where he came from. So it's a long interview with him, and, and I think a, a very cool and revealing one, and that's why we're going to feature it. I'm sure it hasn't been seen or heard to speak of, especially in the United States. So we're going to get to that in, in just a little bit. So the when you when you think about the year that was, and Rory McIlroy out of the gate winning the players – and then I was taking a look at, you know, what else did he do? So anyways, I, just to back up with that one story about morning drive, the reason why I picked that Friday afternoon at the Open was, remember, he, he opened just horrific, hit it out of bounds on one, hit a tri- had a triple on 18 in round one. Anyway, he came back and fought hard in round two and, and just about made the cut. And I've never seen a crowd will a player in that manner. It was very cool and very emotional. It's unlike anything I've ever seen in a golf course in terms of somebody trying to make a cut. And he, you remember, he was very emotional afterwards and actually started to weep and, and noted that it made him realize how vested others are in what he does. And it almost seemed like, even though he had had a good year prior to it and he had a very good year after it, it seemed as though it kind of focused him in terms of purpose. Maybe Maybe I'm reading into it, but that was... Kind of how I perceived it. So in any event, he wins the players, Rory. Do you know who he won it by one over? Remember this? Jim Furyk. Would you have remembered that? Would you have got that? The Masters, of course, in Tiger Woods. When it was all said and done for Tiger, it was a one-shot victory over DJ Brooks and Xander. Stand by the, the Brooks name because at Beth Page Black, and this is one of the things when I was looking back on it, sure, we lived we lived through it and we were part of it, right? But you're thinking about all these things, you're like, wow, what a year 2019 was in terms of where the majors were on top of everything else. Back at Beth Page Black, probably the greatest municipal golf course in the world. Right, somebody could make an argument and say, "Well, what about the Lynx Trust that owns the old course of St Andrews?" Eh, that's not really the same thing. That's that's a course that's expensive to get on. It's incredibly hard to get on. Not that Beth Page Black is easy, but it's a true. It's part of the New York State Parks system. It's a course that's truly built for the people. Whereas the old course St Andrews, which is a, a mecca, and we're going to be going there in twenty one with the crew, but it's it's about bringing in tourists and these in the in the whole experience of going to Scotland and St Andrews is frankly and honestly expensive. It's the way it is. So Beth Page Black and Brooks Kepka wins. You know he won by two over? One of the names you just heard for the Masters, DJ. Then we go to the US Open. 
Oh, where's the U.S. Open? When you think about U.S. Open tournaments, what are the most iconic venues in the United States for the same? Pebble has to be at or near the top of the list. I'd put Piners number two there as well because it's Piners number two and all the history that's taken place there and everything else. But Pebble has to be near the top of the list, if not the top of the list. Can you think of another place that when the U.S. Open rotates around to it, you're like, wow, I couldn't wait for it to get, get back here again. Right? I'm sure you'd be excited about some of the other courses like this this year with Wingfoot. But in terms of when you're at the course, you just feel like this is this is where golf was made to be. So Gary Woodland wins that. Who does he win it by two over? Brooks Kepka. You're getting the themes that are weaving through these the majors that were 2019. Then the Open, and I was talking about it already as, as being something I will never forget, the, the overall experience. But Shane Lowry wins an Irishman on that island. Now, it was, it was in Northern Ireland at Royal Port Rush and hadn't been there since 1951. And I realize that I'm biased, so I can't answer this question. But I'm wondering how many people watched the Open, saw that golf course in earnest, probably for the first time, unless they caught the Irish Open there in 2012, but watched it and went, this golf course is just incredible. You know what I mean? Came away with that impression. And everyone's saying, well, it's going to be back there again soon. Everyone would like to believe that the merits of the same is because of the golf course, and there definitely is that merit that's there. There's no doubt about it. However, it's it's commerce that brings these events back around and back around quickly. It's sold out. The first open ever that sold out. That's how rabid the Irish are about their golf. They sold out the open. And I think as a result of that, you're going to see dramatic and radical changes. Now it's more of a political basis than it is anything else. That you're going to see an open held in the Republic of Ireland. And it wasn't that many years ago that what I just said to you, people would have said, you're insane. That will never happen. I believe it's going to happen. And I believe it's going to happen sooner than later. And again, it's because when oft as it happens so many times, revolutionary ideas are not born just from principle and passion. They're born from economics. And the Irish are selling out opens. It's that simple. So it was an incredible year. And that's just on the men's side of the game. Coaching Young won the ANA Inspiration. Lee John Yoon, remember, the bashful princess, smiling princess, she won the U.S. Women's Open. Lexi Thompson uh, finished second, amongst was one of those who finished second in that one. Hannah Green, you might remember from Australia, won the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. The Avion Championship, Coaching Young won again, so two majors in the women's side of the game. Hinako Shibuno won the Women's British. And that was over Lizette Salas, if you guys remember. She was in the mix on that one. And then, of course, we, we ended the year with the Solheim Cup on the European Tour. And, and again, I realize I'm, I'm, I'm admitted this to you. I'm not, I'm not 
trying to build it up into into it, it may or may not be a big event to you. It was a very big event to me, and I'm just telling you why. Because when you're there, you're going to be influenced by something differently, right? I'm sure people that are listening to us right now that have been at some bowl games, uh, regardless of of who was playing and what the conclusion was, your impression of of that bowl game is going to be more profound, more astute, more acute, maybe. Because you were there, and that's how I felt about the Solheim Cup. I, I do actually feel that because the European team won, it's going to strengthen the event because it, it what happens in those circumstances is it makes you uh, even more interested. You go, wow, this competition is pretty good. And I, I you know, covered, because we were doing the world radio, covered so many matches that week and then by just pure happenstance, pure luck, really, I, I end up getting the final match and Suzanne Pedersen's putt. And I told you guys the honest story that upwards to 30 seconds, maybe less, before she took that putt, we did not know it was for the overall win. Because it took time for the information to get back to our production truck about what took place on seventeen. And the impact that that had on the overall score and that fact that the putt that that Suzanne was putting for was to win the Solheim Cup and did. And I think I told you guys the side story to all of that was just at the end of the night, you know, the European team has got a big party going on in the hotel. It was so crazy and so loud, I could hear the music in my hotel room. And I'm two stories above. Boom, 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 boom. So more power to them, rightfully so. They had a lot of fun. And, you know, I also saw just as an aside, because this is something we never hear anymore, right? Not counting FedEx Cup bonus points, which I'm sure exists someplace, but I'm not counting that. Brooks Kepka led, right? Because everyone's going to look at it and go, oh, well, it's got Roy McElroy, FedEx Cup, and all the rest. I don't know all, how all those points break down. And yes, with, with what happened to FedEx Cup, Rory would be far and away. But in terms of outside of that bonus pool, number one on the PGA Tour in terms of dollars was Brooks Kepka. $9,684,006 for Brooks Kepka. I don't know what he does in terms of, again, bonuses for the FedEx Cup, but I, that wasn't where I was going to go. I said, I don't, know, I don't know what he does in terms of sponsorships. I'm sure he's got... Some big sponsors with a lot of dough coming in, but I'm I'm never a hundred percent certain about that because you've got players like you know Ricky Fowler who clearly connect in that regard, and I'm sure if there was a secret list somehow put together in there, Ricky would far and away lead the tour in terms of money made from endorsements and commercials and all the rest. I, the reason I can't tell with Brooks is I don't it, I don't get the impression he cares. Am I wrong? I don't get the impression that he cares one way or the other about that. And it doesn't appear as though he has to worry all that much about it when with the with the FedEx Cup bonus, whatever his portion was, was put him well over $10 million in earnings anyway, which is pretty strong. So anyway, I thought you guys would kind of enjoy that, that little stroll down memory lane, even though we're actually still in 2019. The clock is ticking. And taking a look at what actually took place in the year that was because I kind of got this impression with 2019 that it that it was the the way that the year was whipping by the way that it ended with a president's cup and all the rest it's just there's something about Ryder Cup years in particular 
that seemed to cause, I don't know, more focus. And because this had a different schedule to it and the culmination of the year in terms of, you know, finishing at, at its its highest point and culmination was back in August instead of being in September. So for all those reasons, and I still thought it was a lot of really big and important things going on in the game of golf through literally through the when we wrapped up doing live shows going on a couple weeks ago now. But when you you know take a look back on it, a, a sober look back on the year of 2019, you're like, wow. This will be a year that's going to be, I think, really important in the annals of golf when they look back on big years in in, in golf. Yes. Is it because Tiger won the Masters? 100% yes. Starts there. Could probably end there, but what I was getting at was the fact that it doesn't end there because of all the other stuff that went on, too. Really cool. So, anyway, there's a lot going on this week as well. We're going to talk about the field list a little bit. I want you to hear from Rory McIlroy in just a little bit. Carney's going to be joining us in a few minutes on the program as he's part of the coverage this week on PGA Tour Radio. So we've got a lot of stuff to go through. I saw a cool article uh, Bob Herrick wrote on where he thinks Tiger is going to play. I have a feeling most of the people listening to this show could probably put together a pretty good list, pretty accurate list on that as well. But we'll see how it plays out. I like that Tiger has said that he's – very much uh, interested in getting into the Olympics and representing the United States as well. I think that's not that it needed a boost. It's going. It still is a boost for the event anyway because it'd be different if he if he took the the current taxi like Adam Scott's making. Although Adam Scott did win in Australia a week and a half ago, but Adam is still going like eh, Olympics. It's not my first priority. If Tiger took that tact on it, I think it'd be damaging. But the fact that he isn't and doesn't is good. It's good for golf in the Olympics, anyway. Put it that way. So, how did you make out with Santa? Naughty list? Nice? No? Well, you can get what you want. You don't have to worry about Santa. Heck with Santa. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com and check out what they have to offer and get yourself ready for the golf season that lies before you. Or maybe you're someplace warm and sunny and beautiful and you can play all the time. You might as well play your best and you can do it with Ben Hogan Golf Equipment. BenHoganGolf.com for more information on that. Now, uh, I already sent out a tweet. I, I, I can't remember, Don, when we sent this where I said, we don't care if you've been naughty or nice. You can come to Stream Song with us. We're going in February. Everybody's arriving. I don't know if some people arrive a little bit early, but it starts a fifth. Wicked Epic Kega Bash. Four, and we're going to have an incredible time, an amazing time. In fact, Carney, who's coming on with us, has committed to going, just so you know, 1992 PJ Tour Rookie of the Year over Phil Mixon, get to hang out with him and everybody else. And we're going to do all the fun stuff that we always do. I, I put a video out there someplace. I'll probably resend it out in about a week or so. It's probably on fairwaysoflife.com as well. But you can go to fairwaysoflife.com, and you can see all the data that's on there or, all the data, the information about what we're going to do, when, where, and how. And if if you want to go directly to Streamsong, just go to streamsongresort.com slash Matt Adams. So you got to, either way, you can get all the information that you want. Back with more information on the Fairways of Life show this Monday, December 30th, after this. My new book is called The Golf Round. I'll never forget 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. Look, we're going into the holiday season. I hope this is the perfect gift for the person in your life that loves the history of the game. History like this, the 1978 Masters. Well, first of all, I'm seven shots behind Tom Watson. And 
My son says to me, he says, Dad, you're playing so well. If you putt well today, you can shoot 65 and win. But it's not easy to shoot 65 at Augusta. Anyway, I'm out in 34 with a bogey. And I come back in 30. I actually touched the hole three times. But thank goodness I didn't because I would have never been invited back to Augusta. The book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. I hope you enjoy it. You can pick it up wherever fine books are sold, including barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. FootJoy, the number one outbrand in golf, ensures that you can make every day playable with performance gear to handle any weather condition. All FootJoy products are designed to provide the best golfing experience regardless of the conditions. Every piece of FootJoy gear goes through years of testing and validation to ensure the ultimate in golf performance. Trust the brand that has been number one forever. Learn how you can make every day playable at FootJoy.com slash M-E-D-P. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boeinggolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tea times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Tick-borne diseases like Lyme disease, which will have more than 7,000 new cases per week this season, and biting bugs like mosquitoes that could be carrying West Nile virus or even Zika are threats to everyone, but in particular, to golfers stay safe with serious protection from ranger ready repellent i use it because it works it will not stain your clothes it doesn't contain toxic deke and it's available in multiple scents even an option for no scent at all whether you like boating golf gardening hunting whatever you do outdoors protect yourself with ranger ready repellent for more information go to rangerready.com the u.s open Golf's most storied championship returns to the iconic Winged Foot Golf Club. Next June, see firsthand the remarkable moments, the energy, the excitement of the 120th U.S. Open Championship. Don't miss your chance to be here next year, June 15th through the 21st, 2020. Tickets on sale now at usopen.com forward slash 2020. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Monday, the 30th of December, 2019. Hope you guys have had a wonderful holiday season so far. Maybe planning something special for New Year's Eve. Dom, how's it, how has it gone for you and the kids? They having fun? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, this is, for anybody with young children, you know this is about as good as it gets this time of year. I mean, they're 
they're busting at the seams with Santa and presents and just <laughs> cookies and sugar and <laughs> they couldn't be happier. I mean, they're totally fried. My kids in particular are completely fried. They're burned out between all the travel we did and all the presents and the we basically had multiple Christmases because we were visiting oh, family right. all over the place. So they're opening presents. I mean, my son opened his first present on December 21st. And he opened a present yesterday. <laughs> so he was opening Whoa. presents for however many days that is. <laughs> now you're going to have to train these kids into, into uh, you know, they, I don't know how much they know about calendars and events that you don't get presents every day. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, doing what we can, I'll tell you that much. But he, no, they had a great time and they were, uh, you know, my wife got them those matching Christmas Eve pajamas. So they're, oh, they're like matching and cute. everybody's opening gifts and tearing paper and all excited and um, it really, I think when you become a parent, especially when you have young children, the meaning of Christmas, like I remember when I was 15, all I cared about was the presents. If you ask me right now, Hey Dominic, what'd Santa bring you? Or Hey Dominic, what was the best gift you received? I literally don't remember what I got. My only memories from Christmas this year were of the kids opening stuff and stuff flying everywhere and me buying them stuff. And Hey, look, Santa got you this new scooter. And then watching them go nuts. And like, that's what it's all about right there. So I had a great time and the kids had a great time, and uh, it was a lot of travel. One thing I can share with you that did yes. happen over the Christmas break, which um, I guess to you is probably not surprising at all, but I got a speeding ticket the day after Christmas when I was alone in the car with just my two kids. <laughs> wow. I was driving from one. I, I mentioned I traveled. Did you get a, a scolding from the police officer because you were speeding with your children in the car? And the guy was like, "You no, need to slow actually, it down." No, actually, I'm kind of upset about, about, about it. It was essentially a speed trap, and I believe they were probably just trying to reach their quotas or, or something. But I don't so know. You're claiming I guess, innocent. Um. Yes. Yes, I am. But I, I think that I think that they're going to bring me in as a character exercised, witness. And be like, have you driven with Dom? Is he they driving? They should have exercised yes. some leniency. I mean, I had two young kids oh. in, a, in a car packed with presents. He could see you that. You were driving in a, in a manner that probably was outside the confines of the law. Well, it was. You got a ticket. You've been, you've been tried and convicted. And you're claiming leniency because your children are there. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm well, ashamed. that's just one factor that I'm How claiming much? leniency on. How much? I don't yeah. know because I haven't gone online to Lies. check. But based on the, the ticket, the, the big thing that I read, I think it's going to be $300. Oh, <laughs> I was going, how fast were you going? I was going 68, which doesn't yeah, sound very 20. fast, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, it sounds a little fast if it was a 25 mile hour <clears throat> zone or something. No, I was going 68 in a 55. But what I was really doing yeah, is I was yeah. going 68 in a 70. So I don't really speed. I don't know what happened. Matt, I don't know what happened with you with kids. But before I had kids, I was... I was what I would call not a safe driver. <laughs> yeah, what I, I would call. I sped everywhere, like literally everywhere. This is not good was, for you on, on the no, trial. No, I understand. <laughs> uh, Dominic, you want to explain to us what type of driver ticket. you were? So I'm I not was, a safe driver, Your Honor. I was a little, I was a little overly aggressive, but that's what happens when you grow up in the Washington D.C. area. If you're trying to get in the left lane, you just have to go. Otherwise, you'll never get in the left lane. Anyway, once I had kids, I really mellowed out a lot. I actually would consider myself a slow, annoying driver now. So I thought the speed limit was 70, and I was going 68. And the speed limit, in fact, was 70. I was on that road for two hours, and it was 70 the whole time. I come to find out that there are a handful of pockets 
on a uh, highway where the speed limit is 70, where for a mile or two it's 55. That is what you call a speed trap, and I, I claim unfair. Yeah, that is a little that that's outrageous. So I was that's I mean I lo- I literally looked it up. I even asked the police officer about it. That's what it is. There's little pockets where all of a sudden it drops to 55 from 70. By the way, if you're from North Carolina, I am now a resident of North Carolina. Most of the highways in North Carolina, the speed limits are 70. In D- in, in where I grew up, the other states I grew up at 60 and 65. Down here, 70 is usually the benchmark of most highways. So I do not I, – I'll stand by what I said, Matt. I do not I, – I, I want leniency. Outrageous. Uh, it used to be 55 in Connecticut. It was, I don't know si- it was 60 on most oh, of them it, when oh, I was there. Okay. But you're right. The speed limits in the Northeast, which makes sense, right? There's, 55 seems so slow. It's a little slow. 70 is perfect. Now that I've been down here for a year. Yeah, Florida's all 70. It's perfect because no one really wants to go 85. So, like, see, you know, everyone's cruising around 74 and they're getting to where they need to go. It's perfect. But when the speed limit's 60, people are pushing, like, 72, and then you get into territory where there's a big gap where some people are going 55 and some people are going 74, and that clogs up the highways when you have that huge disparity. Anyway, I'm upset about the ticket, and I would fight it. But I would have to go to court like four hours from here, and I can't do it because it's an eight-hour day just to do the driving. I would never be able to make it there and back in a You'd day. You'd probably speed there anyway and get another ticket. Probably, yes. So that, that was my wow, Christmas. How was your Christmas? Good. Yeah, very nice. We uh, ended up going down to uh, my wife's mom's house and hung out there for a few days, and she happens to live in Clearwater, Florida. So we literally spent Christmas Day on Clearwater Beach. So we had a white Christmas, but it was a white sand Christmas, and it was absolutely beautiful. And I know that sounds weird to a lot of people because they want the traditional Christmas and snow and all the rest. But since we've been down here in Florida having experiences that are so radically different than the one that you may have had all your life like me was is incredible, too. And was it have been able to play some golf last few days and so just having fun. So that article that I was telling you guys about before the last break from Bob Herrig was kind of his effort to figure out where Tiger was going to go. And I wanted to go through that with you here in a moment. But we've got Carney coming up, so we're going to jump to Carney first. We also have the field list of what's going on with uh, this week, uh, the air times of what's going on this week for the Century Tournament of Champions as well. Thursday and Friday, this week, folks, again, just to reiterate for you, Thursday and Friday from 6 p.m. Eastern time, you can catch the coverage. We have it for you on Golf Channel, and then on the weekend, we split between us and the mothership of NBC. So it's 6 p.m. on Thursday and Friday from Hawaii, and then on Saturday and Sunday, it's split between... NBC from 4 to 6, and then after 6, it goes to Golf Channel. And then on Sunday from 6 p.m. until the conclusion, it's on NBC. So primetime golf all week. And it's not just this week, but it's primetime golf all week. And then the PGA Tour radio coverage starts Thursday at 4 p.m., a little earlier on Friday. All these times are Eastern again, just to reiterate that. Friday at 3 p.m., Saturday at 4 p.m., and again, Sunday at 5 p.m. And you can hear PGA Tour Radio's coverage on pgatour.com. You can hear it on the PGA Tour app. You also can hear it on, and that's all the, all the 
other different ways you can listen to it, including Amazon Alexa and all the rest. But you can also hear it across North America on Sirius XM, which I just got. Somebody, Dom, sent me a text this morning that said, right now, I guess, Carney and I are on Sirius XM because they're they're recapping significant or distinctive events throughout the last decade. And he and I hosted a show in 2012 about the Ryder Cup at Medina, apparently. So, so I'm getting messages from people going, hey, I'm hearing you in multiple sources this morning. So there you go. But you can hear the real deal and the, the live version of Mark Carnivale right now as he is joining us, the Arnold Palmer Award recipient as the Rookie of the Year in 1992 on the PGA Tour. Carney, what's up? Happy uh, New Year to you. Happy holidays and all the rest. Yeah, you too, Matty. Uh, all good. Uh, getting ready to uh, make my sojourn to uh, Hawaii tomorrow morning. So uh, all is good. Had a great holiday season and uh, looking ready to get this year back and the golf season back up again, although it does seem like we've been gone that long uh, since no. the President's Cup a few weeks ago, but uh, excited about it. How excited are you about seeing the new Kapalua as well and what the golf course looks like and how it plays and all the rest? Well, I had an opportunity to play there competitively a long time ago, back in the early uh, 1990s after I got on tour. Actually, when it was the Lincoln Mercury, uh, uh, it was not even a, a regular season event. Uh, it was a uh, kind of an after-season event uh uh, played it, loved the golf course. I think it's it's you know it's one of those places, and you've traveled all over the world, Maddie, where you just go there and you kind of hard. It's hard to believe you're there and you're you're seeing Molokai and Lanai, and you just got this beautiful uh, you know golf course. And certainly Ben Crenshaw and and Core did a great design there. But yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I think I think you know it was it was a very unique golf course when they built originally built it. Uh, yeah. It was one of the longer golf courses uh, on tour, and and certainly it, it's it stood up the test because without question you deal with the weather there and the wind, and it can be pretty challenging. But I'm absolutely looking forward to to see exactly what they've done and and uh, you know get a sense of how these uh, best players in the world will deal with it. Now the field that's going to be competing this week, uh, it doesn't include Tiger, it doesn't include Brooks, and there's nothing about either one of those two not being there that surprises me. I'm curious how it strikes you in terms of we do have DJ, we do have uh, Justin Thomas, but just your overall thoughts about the field this week. Yeah, it, it's certainly been interesting. You know, back when I, when I won in 1992 and the tournament champions was, was held at La Costa, I mean, it was an event you absolutely played in. Now, it basically kicked off the season. Uh, I don't know if the fact now that it's kind of, you know, uh, what, a third of the way of the season, maybe not quite a third of the way into the season. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that has a bearing on whether players go there or not. I think, you know, with the the way the schedule is now, uh, you see a lot of players take a break once the tour championship ends. And, I mean, I think DJ's, what, played one event plus the the, uh, President's Cup, I think, since then. You know, I, I always felt like if you were a winner on tour, uh, that season, and this was an event that showcased the winners. I felt like, yeah, I think you were kind of obligated to play, or you should play because you know the fans of the game and everybody that follows the game wants wants to see you. Uh, obviously, things have changed. The the, the landscape of uh, professional golf and certainly the PGA Tour has changed since then. Uh, I would like to see players play there. Uh, it's a long way to go. I, I, I can't argue with that. But I think again, one is, and you know me well enough 
to understand that you know I've always felt you had an obligation as a player to to make it better, and by by playing, you, you give people that may not otherwise have been able to see you a chance uh, to watch you play. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get it, but at the same time, I would like to see players maybe participate. Some of the bigger names play a little more, just because I think it, it's part of part of the part of the whole thing. I mean, you kind of owe it to your fans and, and the game of golf to participate. But that's that's me, and you know you know my feelings about all that. Now, we haven't had much of an opportunity, Carney, to talk about the year that was 2019. And I just I, I when we opened the show this morning, I actually went through the majors on the men's side of the game and the women's side of the game, and uh, I threw the players in there in the discussion as well with because with Rory McIlroy winning, it was distinctive, and it led to, I think, building blocks of a lot of other things. But we all know the story of the year was Tiger, of course, winning the Masters. That reality, rightfully, will overshadow everything else. No problem. It is what it is, and it was incredible. But when you look at the rest of the year, the new schedule for the PGA and the fact that it went to Beth Page Black, the fact that the U.S. Open, which Brooks won, the fact that the U.S. Open went back to Pebble Beach, and I had posed this question, and then, and then the open at Royal Port Rush, which, was, which for a whole variety of reasons was significant in its own right. But mm-hmm. I'd posed this question, Carney. If there is a U.S. Open venue, I would think that Pebble Beach is probably the number one most iconic one or very near the top of the list. Am I missing something? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, and, and rightfully so, when you look at the history of uh, what the, the U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach have have done. I mean, Tom Mas- uh, Tom Watson wins his you know U.S. Open there. Jack Nicklaus, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, and and so forth. Uh, I think uh, you're absolutely right. I think when when you look when people talk about golf courses, maybe they want to play. Uh, when you talk about Americans, uh, obviously you know Matt Augusta National is always raised, and then. Then Pebble Beach is right there, so I, I think absolutely. You, you think of uh, the old course in the home of golf. Without question, I, I think as a golfer who grew up in the United States, you think of Pebble Beach as that course. I remember as a kid watching the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am on TV with with Bing Crosby. I mean, it just there's so much history. I think in relationship to uh, the American golfer with Pebble Beach that I think you're, you're spot on. When when you think about 2019 and how history will look back on this year with, again, Tiger winning the Masters and Brooks winning the PGA and Gary Woodland winning out at Pebble Beach and then Shane Lowry winning the Open at Royal Port Rush. This year that seemingly flew by for a whole variety of different reasons. One, because, you know, like you said, the President's Cup was at the end of it. Two, because of the new schedule. Three, because of, of it, which is related to the new schedule, when and how the PGA Tour wrapped up in August, which in some ways seems like it was ages ago. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, it seemed like we just had significant golf a couple weeks ago. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, we did. How do you think history will look back on this year? Well, I think without question, uh, because of, uh, the Tiger Woods, uh, when I, I don't think there's any story that overshadows it. Certainly, uh, Roy McIlroy is right there winning, you know, the only player to, other than Tiger Woods to win, uh, the FedEx Cup twice. Uh, but I don't think there's a without question that, that Tiger Woods is victory at the, uh, Masters defines it because, 
because of where we were a couple years ago uh, with Tiger Woods, and you know, is this the last? You know, did we see the best of Tiger Woods? Did we see his last win? Did we, you know, would he be able to to come back from everything that he's dealt with uh, and 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 winning not only win again but win a major championship again? Uh, I so I don't think there's any question in my mind. Uh, you know, people certainly will argue, but I don't think there's any question in my mind that it was defined by Tiger's win at Augusta. Yeah, and and the fact that all of these other events happened around it as well. Players were calling it a condensed schedule because of the the way it's running. And you've got you know from March onward, you have really big events from the the players in March to the the Masters in April, and now the PGA in May, et cetera, et cetera. Carney, there'll be no rest for the weary because in 2020, it's an Olympic year. So we're going to get even more condensed in terms of big events uh, clogging the calendar. And, oh, by the way, there's also a Ryder Cup in the offing. So 2020 is is already shaping itself up to be pretty unique. No, absolutely. And I think it's going to be interesting again, you know, how uh, we saw Rory McIlroy just his schedule a year ago. Will we see players continue to do that, I think we absolutely will see players adjust their schedule. Will they be able to adjust it enough so that uh, you know? I, I think there are times we saw players maybe a little tired uh, throughout mm-hmm. this year, and understandably so. I mean, you have a big event uh, every month, as you mentioned, starting in March. You throw in the World Golf Championships, as you mentioned. You throw in the Ryder Cup. You throw in the uh, the, the 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 Olympics. Now, with obviously, there was a lot of skepticism about the Olympics in Rio, but now everybody's kind of bought in. Uh, I think you're going to see the top-name players play if they're eligible. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, will players be able to uh, adjust their schedules enough so that when they do compete, they will compete at the highest level? Now, look, I uh, I don't make any bones about it. I mean, this is a game we play for a living, and I understand it's a lot different than when I played this game, uh, you know, 20 five years ago when I first started playing it. But I do think at the same time, you know, do you want to miss a moment? So I think it, it, it's, we'll, we'll continue to see players adjust their schedule. Some events may get hurt by the top name players, but then you think about it, this, this, the, the roster for PJ tour players, it has gotten so deep that do tournaments really suffer. Uh, if a tiger woods doesn't play, if a Rory doesn't play, if a, Dustin Johnson doesn't play, I'm beginning to believe not so much anymore because there's so many big names. Interesting. So that I assume then you feel that same way about this week, that the field that is there, which, again, it's, when, you, when you look through it, it's really cool because there's a lot of first-time winners that are in the mix as well that help define the year that it had just been and thus kick off the year that will be uh, before us. But you still got to, you have some big names in there too. So your thoughts about the week that lies before you? I, I'm looking forward to it. Again, uh, I think that it's certainly, and as we've seen, uh, uh, players that uh, it's a 34 man field. Look, yes, there's an advantage to that. Uh, you've got FedEx Cup points, you know, up for grabs. And as we have seen, players who have gotten off the great starts, particularly in the fall portion of the schedule. I mean, a year ago, Matt. Six of the eight players that won in the fall portion of the schedule made their way to Eastlake. Uh, players know how important getting to Eastlake is and to be able to play in the Tour Championship and compete for that FedEx Cup trophy. 
So I, I think, you know, players are making a mistake by not being there. I think we're going to see some great golf and an opportunity again for players to get off to a great start and, and really set up the year. As we've seen through the years, players who have played well here have gone on to great seasons. Andrew Shoffley, uh, we, we saw that. I mean, uh, 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 um, I think Patrick Reed has won here. Uh, you know, it, it just Dustin Johnson has won here, and on and on and on. This event, I believe, can set up players uh, in, in, in a position really to have a great season. Well, we'll see how it plays itself out because it's going to get started this week. In fact, this Thursday, you can hear Carney from 4 p.m. Eastern time, and then well into the nighttime hours as Carney will be hosting the coverage or part of the coverage of our radio coverage that we can hear on PGATour.com, on the PGA Tour app, as well as on Sirius XM of PGA Tour's radio's coverage of the Century Tournament of Champions. And, Carney, you said you're flying out tomorrow, Tuesday. I have to imagine that takes you a long time to get out there. <laughs> I leave uh... – I fly out of Jacksonville at uh, 8.25 a.m. I arrive into uh, Kalui on the island of Maui at 7 p.m., so that's 12 p.m. Eastern time, so that's, what, about 16 hours of flying. Ooh, wow. All right, Karin. Well, we're looking forward to your work. Thank you very much for that. Hey, thanks, too, for uh, joining us for the Wicked Epic Kega Bash 4, uh, I can almost say next month in a couple more days, but in February at Streamsong, really excited about having you. I think it's the first time you've joined us there, right? Yeah, it will be. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to hanging out with your buddy Dom. I haven't seen – I've talked to Dom, but I haven't seen Dom in quite some time, and uh, I know he gets all excited about it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I haven't been down there, so I, I haven't been to Streamsong, so I'm obviously looking forward to that, hanging out with you and – and all your listeners that uh, attend, I'm sure I'll run into some people that I know from, from your trips to Ireland and Scotland. So uh, looking forward to it, yes. Awesome, Carney. Thank you very much for taking the time and joining us today. Safe travels out to Hawaii, and we're very much looking forward to kicking off 2020 with uh, Mark Carnival and the coverage of all the things happening on the PGA Tour. Thanks for all of it. You got it, Matty. Happy to help anytime. All right, folks, that was Mark Carnival, the 1992 Arnold Palmer Award recipient, that's for Rookie of the Year, and distinctively he won that over one Phil Mickelson. And we're looking forward to Carney joining us as he does throughout the course of the year, talking about all things in the world of golf from his perspective because it's a perspective that carries weight and it's a perspective, I think more importantly, that gets all of us thinking about various things, which is great. All right, so when we come back, I do want you to hear that interview that Rory McIlroy did because it's typical Rory McIlroy. It's honest, it's upfront. Uh, it covers a lot of ground. It's a pretty long interview, too. It's like 12 minutes long from ITV. So we'll have that for you when we come back right here at the Fairways of Life show on the 30th of December, 2019. Hey, my new book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. Moments like this. The 1973 U.S. Open. Here's Johnny Miller. We got a letter also on Saturday morning and said, you're going to win the U.S. Open from some guy in Iowa and I never got a letter that that's all it was. They didn't sign it, nothing. It was just from Iowa, you're going to win the U.S. Open. So it was sort of an interesting experiences that led up to that uh, winning that Open. Uh, and, and the round itself was 
sort of out of nowhere because it just was a, a perfect round of golf. I mean, it literally was a perfect round of golf. The book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. I hope you enjoy it. You can pick it up wherever fine books are sold, including barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. It's time for you to discover Stream Song, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Doak, Bill Core, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Stream Song, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. FootJoy, the number one outer brand in golf, ensures that you can make everyday playable with rain jackets for all weather conditions. New to the FJ Performance Outwear lineup this year is the all-new DryJoy Select LS, the lightest, most waterproof garment FJ has ever produced, setting a new standard in rainwear. Amazingly, it's actually lighter than a golf shirt, but still fully waterproof. You can shop now at FootJoy.com slash M-E-D-P. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. If you're a golfer or enjoy activities outside, you are at risk. The risk of Lyme disease and other illnesses are a national threat. Add in insect-borne illnesses like West Nile and Zika. Ranger Ready is insect repellent that's serious protection with premium wearable scents and clean, non-greasy formula. Ranger Ready is the best insect repellent available, period. Safe, 12-hour protection, nothing comes close. Log on to RangerReady.com for more information. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Pretty excited about the golftravelgroup.com and what they did for us because coming up in 2020 is our trip to New Zealand, taking listeners there. And it's it's amazing. And we've got and we're going to be telling you about it, all of this and the, the days that lie ahead. The only day this week we're not on live is New Year's Day itself. But we do have a, a new destination partner that's going to be joining us uh, as part of the Fairways of Life show this year, and we'll figure out some kind of really cool way to do things and and putting building trips to these different locales. And we're just I cannot wait for for all that's before us. We've got a huge development that we're working on with the Fairways of Life show that we can't wait to share that information with you and more. I was just talking to Dom in the break there that because we're not in a rush, I think we'll probably do the Rory interview on tomorrow's show because I don't, I don't want to feel like we're just, we're, you know, kind of jamming in when 
I love hearing Rory McIlroy talk. You know, he's got you got a guy now in his early 30s that he talks is, about that open, by the way, just just as a little bit of a tease. And I know because I'm sure I'm not sure. I don't think I don't believe Matt is actually a lot of times Matt won't listen to this stuff on purpose because he likes to react to whatever yeah. it is that I'm I'm giving. Yeah, you so I haven't heard what you're talking way. about. No. So you, you were talking earlier in the program about the otherworldly sort of aura that surrounded what was going on at the Open Championship with Rory trying to make the cut. And he, met, he, yeah. he talks about that in the, in the interview that you're going to hear tomorrow. Uh, Good tease it, on that one. What it meant to him and um, how it gave him a different perspective on life. And uh, it's interesting. I mean, he's, like you said, he's a very thoughtful guy. He's definitely thinking about what he's saying. He's not just spewing out, you know, sound bites. He's, uh, the thing that I found with Rory... My view of it now is that Rory is very comfortable with Rory. And he he went through the stages where, you know, Rory spent most of his life as a relatively heavy for his size kid. Crazy hair, all the rest. And then he decided that he had the time, he had the resources, he had the conviction that he was going to become one of the most fit golfers in the world, just like a lot of golfers was that motivation there and inspiration there because of Tiger Woods. You better believe it was. He'll tell you as much. But he did it. And then there were, you know, there were magazine articles done and, you know, Rory McIlroy, the shirtless Rory McIlroy, and he was ripped and he was buffed and all the rest. And it all kind of started after the 2014 Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles where I don't know what the heck was going on. You know, these parties are crazy, but they started dressing in that somebody had brought kilts and they were putting kilts on and these crazy like orange wigs. And Rory was was with uh, Stephen Gallagher. And there was a picture of Rory standing next to Stephen Gallagher that somebody had shot in their private phone, but it leaked. And Rory was wearing a kilt, but he was shirtless, and he was totally ripped. And it was really the first time that people had seen his torso, and they were like, whoa. He got himself into that kind of shape, and that launched – from that point on, there was more things. If you if you were on Google for such things, Rory McIlroy Fitness, you're going to see all these different articles that was done. I think it might have been Men's Fitness. I can't remember who it was that did a huge article on him as well. And – I think that was part of Rory searching for the new Rory. I'm not saying it was anything wrong with it. It it was part of just kind of growing into who he was in the stage that he was on. And then you had all the stuff that happened with four years ago with the last time that the Olympics was held. And, you know, all the I know they call them the rags, the the tabloids in, in the UK that around the open, when he was up on that stage and someone asked a question, they grabbed a quote from him where he said, it's not my responsibility to grow the game. If that's not an exact quote, it's a very close approximation of it. But they didn't get the full context of everything that was going on. And all what that was about, there were different people that talked about Zika and they didn't want to be down there for this and that and security and all these other things, all of which, none of which ended up being a factor at the Olympics at all. What was a factor and what was impacting behind the scenes that people didn't know is that these top players in the world felt like they weren't being given a choice. They, were, they, they had the, the old blue blood establishment in golf essentially telling them they had to be there and they had to do this. And it was, it was wrapped around the growth of the game initiative that so many things are wrapped up in. 
sometimes things are wrapped up in such a designation that are really of a more commercial nature. But they, you know, and it's just about uh, players or promoters or, or what have you making money. And then they'll say, well, no, it's, it's, it's a growth of the game initiative. So players were getting tired of being told you have to do this because it's for the good of the game. Right? For better or for worse. Right or wrong. You judge that any way you want to. So as a result, that's why Rory, who was in a very difficult position because of coming from Northern Ireland and golf in Ireland is all governed by the GUI, the Golfing Union of Ireland. Republic and Northern Ireland are on the same umbrella. So he would have had to have made a decision as to who he was going to play in the Olympics for. And at that time, four plus years ago, that Rory McIlroy wasn't ready to make that decision. There's a whole variety of reasons. Most of those reasons of which, respectfully, I'm telling you in the audience, you don't understand. So he was in a position where he he was he felt like he was being forced by people saying, you have to do this, you have to make this decision. And he was like, whoa, 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 slow down. So the Rory that exists today, now, as you know, he's already made the decision now. He wants to play in the Olympics. And incidentally, he's playing in the GUI. Now, again, there's there's all kinds of perspectives on it. There's he, no matter he was he was in a no win no lose situation regardless, depending on which side you you fell upon with Rory. Because now that he's playing in the GUI, of course, he's going to take a spot away from Ireland with the Olympics in that regard. But it opens up a spot in for the UK position. Follow me. So it's it, that's the, the the flow in the ebb. But what I'm saying is, I just feel like. The Rory that we're seeing today is a Rory that's more comfortable and more confident in who he is and where he fits. And I do think that this year that we are closing out, 2019, was a transitional year for Rory McIlroy. I think Rory, through this year, transitioned to a different player, a different man. Maybe marriage had a lot to do with it, don't know. But I do believe that the Rory McIlroy that will come into competition in 2020 is better equipped to win events, any events, than he has been throughout the course of his career, which is saying a tremendous amount for a guy that's already won four majors, a players, and two majors in one season, etc. If you look at what Rory's doing with the putter in hand, Strokes game putting best performance he ever had in the year that just was. You look at what Rory is doing with a high lofted club in hand, better control of that wedge than he's ever had. Those are just two areas that were areas of concern with Rory McIlroy, despite the fact that he was winning and successful. But he's attacking particular areas of weakness in his game. And weakness is a relative term. because It's comparative to what he's doing with everything else. And in those areas, he has better performance than he has had, in some cases, like putting ever. I think it all relates back to who Rory McIlroy is, who he sees himself as, the role that he plays. So I'm really, this wasn't meant to be a a big preamble to promote the interview that we're going to play tomorrow, but I, I think that Rory is going to be a major factor in 2020 heading into the season that will be. Yeah, and and who he is, the person that he has become. I just think it's it's going to be fascinating. One of the reasons that we're excited for the year that lies ahead and excited about the coverage getting started this week on the PGA Tour. The Century Tournament of Champions is this week. So post your New Year's celebration and getting ready for 
getting back to work in earnest, even if you're popping in the office a couple days this week, you know, everyone's kind of like, yeah, hey, how you doing? Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, it's okay. You know, well, now you can watch some golf in prime time starting Thursday and Friday at 6 p.m. We'll have it for you on Golf Channel. And I will be uh, co-hosting Morning Drive this coming weekend alongside of uh, Gary Williams and Jaime Diaz, which I'm looking forward to getting back with the team as well and get rolling on that. And that's what I see my role as in 2020 Golf Channel-wise. I, I did not want to do... Uh, the Golf Central as much because we've got some big plans coming up for the Fairways of Life show in 2020, and I can't wait to share them with you. But between doing this show Monday through Friday and then doing a morning drive on Saturday and Sunday, I just didn't – the, the Central on Monday, Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday was too much of a load to fit everything in. It was like trying to fit nine days in a seven-day week. So that's the direction we decided to go. And as I mentioned, we've got some really exciting stuff to share with you, which we will. Uh, as soon as we can, uh, I'll put it that way. So have a great one today. Hope you guys have a great Monday on this 30th of December. I hope you get a chance to enjoy the holiday and not just feel like you're running around like mad. Uh, think back on the year that was 2019, good, bad, indifferent. What would you change? What do you look back on a smile about? I did a thing on Twitter and a thing on Facebook where I used a iMovie to kind of put together my own year. What's yours? And we'll be back with you again tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern Time Live. And you can always catch us 24-7 around the world on our international network of distributors for the Fairways of Life show. Bye for now.